Good afternoon and welcome to the show. Well, I've got a jam-packed show for you today. A uh, little bit a uh, little bit later, I've got Mr. Benjamin Tall. He is Senior Economist from CIBC Capital Markets joining me. And we've got Minutes with the Mayor back. We've got Mayor of Kingston, Mr. Brian Patterson joining me. And uh, we're going to talk about all the highlights of the Kingston area. But first, right now, I've got Mr. Jim Murphy, President and CEO of the Federation of Rental Housing Providers of Ontario joining me. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Todd. A lot is going on, obviously, in the rental market. And, uh, you know, recent reports are saying that some builders are pulling back on the idea of developing apartments. They're going to be looking more at condominium developments. Um, Just for our listeners' sake, what is the current uh, vacancy rate that uh, that we're dealing with right now in the GTA market? There's three numbers I I would give you. The vacancy rate for the Greater Toronto Area is 1.4%. Uh, for the city of Toronto, it's 1.3%. For condominiums that are rented in the city of Toronto, it's 1%. Um, the provincial average for Ontario is a little higher than that. It's 2.1%. So there's a, there's a lot of numbers there. But basically, uh, in the city of Toronto, we're at 1.3% for the entire rental market, 1% for those condos that are rented. This is almost historically low. I mean, you're at the point where when I, I don't think people understand that 1% basically means that it's it's very difficult to find a place to live. Yes, and so most economists would say that the, the vacancy rate you want is usually around 3 or 4%. That's a healthy rate uh, in terms of a balance in the market, um, which is to say there's enough supply to keep prices down. This is in a, an environment uh, where you wouldn't necessarily have rent control. Uh, but by the same token, um, you know, it, the, the owners or the property managers would, uh, would have a return also. So most economists would say a healthy uh, vacancy rate for rental is about 3 4%. And we're significantly below that. It's not currently a record low. Um, they were lower uh, in the 1980s, in the late 1980s, uh, before um, you know, we had the economic turndown uh, in the early 1980s. The, rates, the vacancy rates in the Toronto were lower. But uh, our current rates are also going to go lower, and, and there will be new numbers out uh, later this fall. Um, CMHC does an um, annual survey, and that's where we get the numbers from. Uh, and it's very likely in the city of Toronto that the vacancy rate will go below 1%. Excellent. I mean, not excellent in a good way, excellent in a bad way, but one, one of the things that you mentioned, you, you were talking about the, the late 80s, and, you know, this is when the Ray government, uh, back in 1991, implemented rent control for the first time, and all of a sudden, you know, you had a lot of the, the apartment owners basically just want to walk away. There was issues there. Um, we now have the uh, provincial government, uh, you know, in the spring, implementing rent control once again for all properties, not just the ones that we were pre-built 91. And do you, do you believe that this is a good or bad thing? When it happened, uh, you know, it was something that happened fairly quickly in the spring. And there were some stories about uh, significant rent increases in uh, rental units or buildings that were post-1991, as you say. So, uh, there is an, was an exemption in place for all rental units uh, that were constructed after November 1991 to encourage supply. 
the government has argued that, well, there wasn't really a lot of supplies, so it wasn't a big thing. But we saw, we've seen the last two or three years a real renewed interest in um, what we call purpose-built rental housing. And uh, there was a report by a consultant uh, a year ago that 28,000 rental units were in the pipeline for Toronto. This 1,000 units that's being transferred from rental to condominium is part of that. And we need more supply, not less. Um, and so this is, this is the effect that that's having uh, in terms of the change that was made. Um, regulation is not the only uh, you know, factor that goes into making a, an investment decision on a rental building. And uh, I want to be clear about that. But it is important because people that are making those decisions are saying, okay, they've made this change, what's next? And so you're trying to make an investment decision based on, um, you know, certain parameters at the time. And if they keep shifting, um, that's obviously going to affect that decision or make people to say, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to convert this to a condo. Uh, it's easier. I can get my money out quicker. I can sell the units quicker. Uh, and, and while I had an interest in rental, um, you know, I just don't want to, uh, you know, be bothered with some of the issues that might happen. Um, so, the, you know, it does have an impact in that sense. And so people are looking as a result of the announcements that were made. Uh, we've seen some of these uh, projects, uh, you know, transferred, as I say, to a condominium building, condominium units. Uh, we just need more rental supply. We, we, you know, the market demands it, and you know it's important for all governments and all political parties to come up with solutions that will um, promote and provide a uh, an environment to, to see rental construction. You know, one of one of the things that we were following throughout the the last, I would call it twenty four months, was there was a developer in Toronto that had done actually a condominium development, and they ended up refunding back the deposits to the buyers, and decided to declare more of an apartment uh, out of the building, and because I guess they were looking at the fact that you know the idea of renting as an owner, um, you know, was was more attractive. You know, they were engaging it more long term, becoming more like an investor model. But now that the fact that, you know, they've now implemented rent control, do you think that there's really no more motivation for these developers to actually build the purpose-built apartments? Um, you know, obviously they can reap more of a profit from a condominium setup, but is the government going to implement anything to encourage them? Because originally in what they released in the spring, they said that they're going to try to expedite the speed of uh, building permits, make it easier for developers, and th that is yet to be seen. So, you know, why would a developer want to bother uh, building an apartment anymore? That's a good question. There are a number of things that go into, obviously, a decision, uh, including, uh, you know, to build a rental building, including including the market. The government would argue that they've done a couple of things. We, when we went through this process and, and the government made its housing announcement in April for both rental housing, but also home ownership with the foreign tax, um, we proposed some options for new rental construction, either what we call the rolling exemption. So, we had a permanent exemption from 1991. We were suggesting a rolling exemption that, you know, of 10 or 15 years. You know, if the building opened in 2017 as a rental building, it would be uh, rental to, say, you know, 2027 or 2032, and that would come under rent control. To give that certainty uh, to the investor and people going into it would know that, um, that that building wouldn't be covered, but they get a brand-new building, they get amenities, all those sorts of things, and that's a decision that people would make. We also proposed a cap which is somewhat similar to the rent control system in British Columbia, where it's um, um, the increase on an annual basis uh, plus a certain amount, uh, say 2%. 
three uh, percent that um, would allow uh, again uh, encourage an investor to make that. Uh, the province has done a couple of things. One thing I will commend the province on, uh, for what it has done is in the area of property tax. Um, apartment buildings, multi-residential buildings, were taxed at a much higher rate, uh, are assessed at a much higher rate uh, than single-family homes. And the province in the announcement said all new rental construction buildings will have to be assessed at the single-family rate. That helps. The province has also frozen existing assessment of the um, uh, apartment buildings if they are more than two times the single-family uh, rate without you know getting into too much detail, uh, which also helps because we want to see that made permanent in order to support uh, rental housing. So they've done some good things there. They announced a, um, a, a development charge rebate program for new construction. It's um, you know there's consultations. We've been a part of those consultations, uh, but you know development charges are very high in, in many municipalities, particularly the Greater Toronto area, and, and the amount of 125 million over five years is probably not going to have a huge impact. And in any event. The government wants to really sort of focus that on um, the lower end of the market. Um, one of the things that we're starting to see is, is there's a bit of a, a real gap happening in sort of the middle housing market. So you could talk at the top end, uh, but there may be demand and, and, and an investor will go off and, and build a, a rental building for that. And at the lower end, you know, governments have all of these programs for affordable housing and, and, and for social housing. It's in the middle that there's a real challenge. You know, that millennial that's making fifty or $60,000 is having a hard time to find something. So that, that's really where the challenge is. Right. Well, you know, it's it's interesting. I know, I'm not sure where, where the government's going to end up with this. Um, you know, ultimately, in the end, I think that there's got to be some programs that, you know, keep builders attracted to building the purpose-built. Uh, you know, keeping it privatized is good because, obviously, the government's not going to start building brand-new buildings for that reason. And, um, you know, with, with the current with the current number of, of builds, even if their condos being bought up by people, there's still not going to be enough to keep up with the demand, I think, for the people that want to rent. Well, that's right. That speaks to a change um, uh, in terms of things demographically, which is uh, younger people today, millennials, are less likely to want to own. They're the same people who don't have cars, they use Uber. They're, they want to rent, actually. They don't want to necessarily make uh, that commitment. And same with boomers, who may be selling the family home and, and taking that equity and then wanting to rent, but wanting to rent in a nice place, uh, you know, in terms of their retirement years. So you have those demographic things. And then you also have Canada has increased its immigration intake levels uh, significantly in the last couple of years. And, and, and most uh, new Canadians come to Toronto, Vancouver. And so you, you need new housing. You need new units um, to, to accommodate all of those sort of changes that are happening. And so, you know, this campaign that we've started at FERPO, which is uh, the hashtag rent on, is really a lot about supply and trying to encourage that. And yes, some governments bring in policies uh, that will see more and not less uh, rental units constructed. Yeah, excellent. Well, uh, Mr. Murphy, thank you so much for joining us today at Simply Real Estate. Um, you know, we'll definitely reach out to you in the near future once we get uh, a little bit more information on the numbers of vacancy rates. I appreciate that, Todd. Take care. Yeah, thank you so much. Folks, that was Mr. Jim Murphy, President and CEO of the Federation of Rental Housing Providers of Ontario. And coming up right after this, I've got Mr. Benjamin Tall joining me. So stay with us. We'll be right back. 
And welcome back. Um, I don't know how many of you remember my show last year when I had our guest, Mr. Benjamin Tall, a senior economist from CIBC Capital Markets, join me. Uh, but Mr. Tall uh, is um, always uh, a great guest. He is a economist for many, many years. But most importantly, people always go to him to find out where the market should be going. And last year, we had a wonderful talk. And fortunately, today, Mr. Tall has agreed to join me. And uh, Mr. Tall, welcome back to the show. Thank you, a pleasure. When we spoke last year, we were right in the midst of a huge run-up in the real estate market. And, uh, you know, I remember, you know, listening to you and how you said, you know, sooner or later, Todd, uh, we're going to have to see this market soften up because interest rates also have to go up. And, you know, this year, here we are, 2017, there has been so much development in the real estate market. But most importantly, I thought, I thought I'd start off by asking you, did you expect the market to go as long as it did? I mean, you know, this was a huge run up uh, right up until this spring. Did, did you really see it going that long? Yes, you know what? Uh, until 2015, uh, I was able to explain 90 to 95 percent of the market with no problem whatsoever. It was all about fundamentals. It was about immigration. It was supply. It was uh, all kinds of fundamentals that make sense out of this madness. So until 2015, it was relatively easy, and it, it was not a bubble, in my opinion. It was not something crazy. But something happened in 2016 that all my brilliant models did not predict, cannot explain. And that something is speculations and flipping. Because if I cannot explain it by demographics, by uh, supply, by the fundamentals of the market, then something else is happening. And by definition, this something else is bad. And clearly, I'm convinced that in 2016, we have seen a significant increase in speculation and flipping that led to this crazy increase in valuations, as you know, more than 20% year over year in 2016 and early 2017. And clearly, when you have this kind of situation, Gravity takes place. That's exactly what happened in Vancouver after 2015. They went exactly through the same thing. So people started to take profit. And exactly at that point, the government, the Ontario government, introduced the 16-point uh, housing uh, plan or program, uh, as you know. And the market slowed down after that. Now, it's not about the program. It's not about uh, taxes on foreigners. It's what people think those taxes will do. So it's really domestic buyers, not foreign buyers, that slow down in anticipation for an extra slowdown due to the foreign tax. Exactly what we have seen in Vancouver. And if Vancouver is a, a guide, then you will see that uh, Toronto also will not be in a free fall because Vancouver is actually rebounding. So the best view of the Toronto real estate uh, horizon is actually from Van the Vancouver Harbour. When when you and I uh, spoke, actually, back in the spring of 2016, Mr. Tall, uh, one of the comments that uh, you and I were noticing, and this was even before the uh, provincial government of BC implemented the foreign buyer tax, was it seemed like the market started to sputter. Um, you know, it had hit a certain crescendo. There was no way that, you know, people were going to continue the bidding wars. You know, people just almost got fed up with the market. There was some conversation that had the wind government not implemented their approach into the market, that perhaps we would have seen 
seen this market have a natural uh, decline. Do you think that the Wynn government did the right thing? Um, and and, and I'll, I'll, I'll rephrase that. The provincial government, I'm not just going to point out Kathleen Wynne, but the government itself, was this necessary to cool the market? Or was it, or were we at a point where it, the market just didn't have any steam left in it? Well, I think you're right. I think that the market was slowing down already. And I think that we have seen it in Vancouver as well. Actually, the slowdown started before the introduction of the tax in Vancouver. I think, we'll, you know, gravity will have taken place. No question about it. And I think that the, 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 the plan, the, the, the program uh, introduced by the government uh, accelerated the process, which is fine. Uh, quite frankly, I don't have uh, any issues with 15 out of the 16 uh, uh, points uh, that uh, were introduced by the government. Uh, I have major issue with the uh, rent control, which I believe is really an unfortunate policy. I think that that will make the situation much worse um, over time. Yes, we are going through this correction or adjustment. Yes, we might have another recession coming in the next few years and the market will slow down. But if you think that Toronto is unaffordable now, wait. You haven't seen everything yet. I think <laughs> that uh, really, I think that uh, the market will be much less affordable 10, 15 years from now, if we don't release the pressure. We need a rental solution to this market like any other big city. And if you have rent control, you don't have a rental solution and you don't have supply from a long-term perspective. And when I say don't have rent control, I don't mean allow people to double the rent overnight. I say at the minimum, just have inflation plus two. Namely, rent can rise by inflation by 2%. That will be enough for builders to build and will protect tenants. It's a win-win situation. Unfortunately, that's not happening now, and that's not a good trajectory for the long-term trajectory of the market. Excellent. You know, that's a, that's a very good point. Right now, obviously, um, you know, the builders themselves are, are, you know, rethinking the idea of creating an apartment titled uh, buildings as opposed to condos and being able to, you know, take the rewards. Obviously, you go backwards and take a look historically at things. In 1991, when the government implemented rent control, there was a huge stoppage of any form of apartment being built. And this is where we saw a big run up in condominiums. Um, if, if the government doesn't push through this or make some kind of other solution, uh, are we just going to see almost a zero vacancy rate? The short answer is yes. The, the rental market is on fire now, and the market is basically unaffordable for young people. You know, before the introduction of uh, rent control, we started to see the light. We have seen a significant increase in demand for rental units by families. The turnover rate, namely how long people stay, actually, uh, you, they stayed longer, which means that they were going after, you know, uh, bigger units and they were staying for long. That's basically families. So you have demand rising, and for the first time we have seen supply rising. We are 28,000 units uh, in the pipelines for purpose build, for apartment buildings. And uh, exactly at this point where we started to introduce the rental solution that this city so desperately needs, exactly at this point, the government introduced rent control, which is killing it. And that's really unfortunate. And again, the market will be very, very tight. And, um, you know, people say, okay, but the condo market can be the rental market. I say no. First of all, you introduce rent control on uh, condo owners as well, which means that uh, their math will not be working. In fact, many of them are already in negative cash flow. And I will not be surprised if one of the reasons why 
believe that the condo market will slow down over the next two years is reduced demand from investors because uh, interest rates uh, are rising and uh, there are changes to regulations and now you have rent control. So you'll see less and less demand for uh, investment units and therefore rental supply. But also the, 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 the nature of renters is changing. If it's families, they don't want to deal with a condo owner. They want to deal with a company because they want long-term stability. And if you don't provide this solution, then the rental market will be extremely tight. Excellent. Uh, Mr. Tall, I'm going to ask that you just hang on. We're going to go to a quick break. When we come back, I want to talk more about uh, you know the current economy and the state of the real estate market. So folks, stay with us. We'll be right back with Mr. Benjamin Tall, Senior Economist from CIBC Capital Markets. And welcome back. So my guest right now, if you're just tuning in, is Mr. Benjamin Tall. He is Senior Economist at CIBC Capital Markets. And um, Mr. Tall, just before the break, you and I were talking about the current rental status of, uh, of you know, the Toronto market. First and foremost, definitely not enough purpose-built apartments being built. Uh, the government implementing the rent control, which I guess in, in, in all fairness, you are against. I am as well. Um, it's making it a lot tougher for people. When people have gone out and, you know, right now, we'll call them a little bit of speculators, but some of these people that are buying the condominium market, uh, you know, they're, they're hoping to rent them out. Rent control is going to have an adverse effect on them with a huge increase in prices. Um, you know, a lot of these people are already negative cash flow. Do you think uh, in the marketplace in the future, we're going to find people that just realize that the market's not going up enough for them, that they're going to start selling some of these, these condominiums that they bought as investments? Yes, uh, that's the risk. And that's why I think that if you really want to understand the real estate market in Toronto at this point, you must get into the head of those investors. You must understand their motivation. If their motivation is simply capital appreciation, then uh, it means that some of them will be selling. Much more important, they will not be buying. That's the main issue. The main issue is not selling because the volume is not so big. They will not be buying. And 50% of new condo buyers now are investors. So if you buy regardless because you want to have something and you want to have something for your kids and you are willing to tolerate a bit of a, you know, negative cash flow, that's fine. But if you buy it as an alternative for a GIC, then you will not be buying. And to me, that's the number one uh, challenge facing the condo space in Toronto, but it also means that without this and without purpose build, the rental market, if it's on fire now, it will be even harder. Well, and well, that's an issue. It is. And one of, one of the things that um, for our listeners is the fact that when you start off renting a unit out, let's say you're a condominium owner, you decide to rent, you can actually determine any amount of rent that you want. It's once you've secured a lease, this is where the rent control comes into place. So you can only increase it at what the government has stated as far as an annual increase. But, uh, you know, as, as you mentioned, you know, the market could get on fire and we could see, you know, rents escalate from a starting point uh, to you know, kind of a feverish level that people are going to say it's unaffordable. Exactly. And then we have the vacancy decontrol because the only time you can actually raise rent under rent control is when somebody leaves. But if I'm right and the new wave of um, of a new the new wave of renters will be you know older people and families they are not interested in moving every five minutes they are interested in staying for a long period of time because that's a different nature that's basically renting instead of owning so that's a long term commitment in this case the the turnover rate will not be as uh, as as high and this means that you will not have the opportunity to raise uh, rent as quickly as in the past and that's something that can impact the cap rate and the 
calculations when it comes to uh, renting a place. So again, we have to realize that this market is changing and some people would like rent to be the solution for a long time period because they simply cannot afford buying something. Excellent. Um, folks, if you're just joining me, I'm joined by Mr. Benjamin Tall, Senior Economist at CIBC Capital Markets. Mr. Tall, I think you 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 definitely had the prediction right. Uh, Bank of Canada has now not just done one increase, but they did two increases. Are you surprised at the short term for the second increase on the, uh, on the rates? No, we were not surprised because remember, um, the Bank of Canada cut interest rates twice in 2015. Back then, they call it like emergency cuts or they call it insurance cuts because the oil prices went down, Alberta was struggling, and they wanted to help, and they said, okay, well, let's call it insurance. Let's cut it uh, twice. They cut by 50 basis points. Now, as you know, the economy is doing extremely well. There is no emergency whatsoever. Oil prices are back to 50 bucks. Alberta is recovering. There is no crisis whatsoever. So the Bank of Canada faced a lot of uh, pressure to actually at least undo uh, those insurance cuts, and that's exactly what they did. They basically raised it back to what it was before the cut. Now, beyond those 50 basis points, it's much more complex, and um, Polas is basically, you know, the governor of the Bank of Canada, Mr. Polas, is telling us that, uh, listen, I'm slowing down now. We undid the insurance. Now it's a totally different ballgame. I need to see wages rising. I need to see inflation. I need to see the dollars going down because the dollar is, is, is too expensive. So it seems that they are not willing to continue to um, raise interest rates very quickly. And that's why I will not be surprised if interest rates will not be rising uh, at all this year. And next year, it will be, they will be rising very, very slowly. And that's a good thing because you don't want to shock the market. Well, interestingly enough, um, you know, Canadians are at a record high debt right now. And I think that may be one of the monitoring factors is the fact that if they do raise it, you know, too quickly, there's going to be a lot of people that are going to get themselves in- into trouble. And and I guess one of the biggest things that, um, you know, I would, I would ask you now is the fact that they're looking at changing even some more uh, rules for mortgage uh, financing and qualification. You know, they're now looking at people that are dealing with a conventional mortgage market. Um, is this sensical that they start should start putting more stress tests on people that are putting more than 20% down? That's a very good question. So two things. First of all, I totally agree about the impact of debt on interest rates. What you're basically saying is that uh, the, the disease is also the cure, namely the increased sensitivity to higher interest rates will prevent interest rates from rising. And that's basically what the Bank of Canada is telling us, uh, that uh, they are looking at the debt situation and they don't want to shock the market. And they can do that because inflation is not knocking on your door. Yeah. So that's a good thing. Now, to the second part of the question, absolutely. As you suggested, the, the regulators, OSFI, are looking at the possibility of raising the qualification rate for non-insured mortgages, uh, which now account for roughly uh, 65 to 70% uh, of uh, the market or, or you know of originations um, by 200 basis points that's significant that's that's a significant change that can really impact uh, the market and slow down uh, demand we estimate that this can slow down demand by five to eight percent can reduce mortgage originations by two percentage points so it's not insignificant in an environment in which interest rates are rising and the market is slowing already. So uh, I think that the, the communication to OSFI, and OSFI is looking for uh, you know, input, and uh, the banking sector and other players are talking to them on a regular basis. And my point is, uh, at this point, you know what, why don't you wait? There is no urgency. 
you know, let's wait and see how this uh, slowdown in the market uh, materializes. Let's see how things develop and stabilize. And when they stabilize, and if we see some acceleration activity, maybe you want to reconsider it. So it's not a question of doing it or not, because we do have to save some Canadians from themselves. But we also have to be sensitive to where we are in the cycle. Yeah, excellent. You know, uh, one other point, um, you, you, you had mentioned that perhaps uh, the GTA market may have a little bit of a bounce back as Vancouver did. But when Vancouver implemented their foreign buyer tax back in August of 2016, that was the only put th- pretty much the only thing they put into place. The uh, Ontario provincial government has implemented m- a lot more sanctions on working with real estate. And on top of that, Toronto's also now faced the increase in the mortgage market. Do you still believe that you know, potentially we could have a bounce like Vancouver? I think it will take longer for uh, Toronto because the timing is not great. Uh, as you mentioned, we have the changes, more changes than Vancouver. Second, uh, we have um, gravity itself still working. Then we have interest rates rising. And uh, we have, uh, you know, the possible possibility of, of, of another change to regulations. So a lot of things are happening at the same time. And that's something that probably will prolong uh, the recovery. So I suggest that, um, you know, the fall is relatively weak. The winter will be not interesting. And the big, big, big uh, test will be really the spring. I think the spring will be decent because the fundamentals of the market are still relatively strong. But um, to me, what we are doing now, and that's very, very healthy, what we're doing now is simply undoing 2016. 2016 will be a race from the history books because it will be a blip. And that's very good. By doing so, we are squeezing out some speculators, which is a very good thing. So I view this correction, which is not over yet, as a very healthy development. If it didn't happen, I would be very, very worried. So you you would you would deem this to be more of an adjustment than a crash because again a lot of people in the media they want to position it as a crash of the market but again more of a blip where you know we had this crazy rise up but the real market will show itself probably in the next twelve to eighteen months. I, I agree. I don't think it's I don't think it's a crash. You don't have the ingredients for a crash at this point. Again, accidents can happen, and that's why I encourage the regulators to wait because if the market is slowing down and you introduce another significant change to regulations, you get an extra push on it. Down uh, downward hill, that can cause an accident. So that's my fear, and that's why it's so important to be careful here. Yeah, excellent. Mr. Tall, it's always a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you so much for joining us here at Simply Real Estate, and uh, thank you again. Thank you very much. My pleasure. Folks, that was Mr. Benjamin Tall. He's Senior Economist from CIBC Capital Markets. So stay with us. We'll be right back with Minutes with the Mayor. And welcome back. As you know, uh, normally this part of the show we try to dedicate to mayors throughout Ontario. And fortunately today, I have the mayor of Kingston joining me, and it is Mr. Brian Patrick. And Mr. Mayor, welcome to the show. Thanks very much. You know, a lot of people, I think, when they hear the, the, the name Kingston, they automatically think of Queen's University. Mm-hmm. But there is so much more to Kingston than just the university, even though it is, you know, one of Canada's top universities and, and definitely a crown, crown jewel in the university department. But um, maybe you can tell our listeners a little bit more about Kingston. Absolutely. Well, I mean, you're right. Queen's University is something that might come top of mind, and that's actually how I ended up uh, coming to Kingston originally as a Queen student and then uh, ended up staying afterwards. And there's lots of people in the community that have done the same thing for pretty much the same reason, is that once you get to Kingston, you realize what a, uh, what a fabulous uh, lo- location uh, 
uh, it is. So, I mean, there's definitely certain aspects that I think are, are particularly uh, appealing. You have this uh, this historical city, this this beautiful old downtown, right next to this beautiful waterfront uh, at the at the intersection of Lake Ontario and the St. Lawrence River, and it's um, it, it's spectacular. The only thing I could really describe it to is almost it's kind of the same vibe as like a Quebec city. So you have uh, an enormous uh, number of of tourists uh, in the in the summer, and then a lot large influx of uh, post secondary students uh, in the fall and winter, and that really enables a city the size of Kingston to have uh, an unusual amount of, of culture and, and a vibe to it that you wouldn't ordinarily expect, perhaps, from a, from a city our size. I think we actually have more restaurants per capita than just about any city, certainly in the province and maybe even beyond that. Um, there's a, a definitely a, a cultural vibe, a theater. We have this uh, performing arts center down on the water. Uh, the city has recently launched a new plan to, to beautify and, and to increase public access access to the waterfront. And it's a, it's a pretty spectacular uh, uh, place to, to just go for, for a walk. It's a very walkable uh, city in and around the downtown. And it's been an exciting way to, to see the city grow and to be able to, to marry its history on the one hand with uh, uh, some of the uh, exciting innovations happening in the city at the same time. Wow. You know, the interesting thing about uh, Kingston, a lot of people will know the, the name A Thousand Islands, but one thing that I don't know if all our listeners know, it's also uh, considered the Limestone City because of some of the heritage buildings you have there. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Because again, you know, I, in Toronto right now, so many buildings are being taken down, um, you know, because of just the sh- uh, sheer saturation of the population, you know, they need more areas to build. Yeah. But actually in Kingston, you know, You've you've got quite a program. You're you're taking care of the old heritage buildings. In fact, it, it's really part of the mainstay that you have there. Absolutely. So, I mean, we, we certainly take our, our history seriously in, in Kingston, being the, the first capital city of Canada and having uh, the, some of the historical connections that we do to, uh, to the country as a whole. Um, but definitely, we, we, we do have a, a, um, a number of different city programs in place to help to, to protect and preserve a, a lot of the, the beautiful old stone buildings uh, here in the, in the city. We have historical districts that are, uh, that are protected. And one of the things that that we try to do is if there's a if there's a historical building we want to make sure it's being used and sometimes repurposed in interesting ways so there's an old an old stone town hall not far from the downtown uh, and it's being uh, right now used as as space for uh, technology innovators and entrepreneurs it's kind of an interesting mix of, of old and new but uh, again the the beautiful historical building with with modern uses and modern amenities on the inside so so definitely that uh, we, we think that the historical character uh, of, of a city is, is critical, and certainly uh, when you walk the, the downtown, you you can you can see that much of it, uh, much of the streetscape is is very much as it was uh, 100, 150 years ago. Uh, where you'll see on the out, outskirts of the historic downtown, you'll see more modern buildings. Obviously, we're we're trying to. Uh, create more development, give people a chance to uh, to live in the downtown so that you you can you can walk to work, you can walk to the store, uh, you can live right in the downtown core. So kind of an, an interesting mix of, of of apartment buildings and condos on the periphery, uh, but then you have this historic quarter uh, which definitely is is preserved as as best we can. Excellent, and it definitely enhances the character of Kingston, um, folks. If you're just tuning in to me right now, um, I have the mayor of Kingston, uh, Mr. Brian. 
Patterson joining me right now with Minutes of the Mayor. And um, Mr. Mayor, one of the things that uh, obviously, you know, you just mentioned that the fact that now we're starting to see some development in Kingston, you know, real estate in Ontario obviously had had a feverish peak over the last few years. Are you finding that uh, you're also attracting more builders into the area and that, that you know, because again, this is it's kind of commonplace that they seem to be, you know, leaving the GTA, you know, taking communities and growing. Are we finding a lot more development in the Kingston area? Uh, yes, definitely. I would say probably in the last two years, we've seen a, a real uptake in uh, activity, certainly in the market. And so uh, it, it's taken a, a, a variety of different forms. Obviously, we, we do have uh, what I call some more su- suburban uh, housing developments that are that are continuing to grow. But one of the other things that we've really seen an uptake on is 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 developments of of what I would call downtown condo uh, living, where you would uh, be able to to, to get a, a a condo that is uh, a block or two from the downtown, and again, it creates that walkable environment. Uh, you're right down by the historic waterfront, so you're you're pretty much in, in the heart of the action of, of Kingston, um, but uh, but a much uh, much closer. And certainly, as a city, you know, we we, we see the value of that uh, that sort of intensification. We obviously want to make sure we do it right, and so, for example, some of the um, uh, the condominium proposals that come forward, we're trying to make sure that they're uh, that the architecture is such that it, it still can fit in with the historical uh, feeling and, and nature of the downtown, and obviously more on the periphery than than right in the in the core itself. Um, but definitely, I think we've seen that. Uh, I think with uh, housing prices in the GTA doing what they've done, that people are looking a little bit further uh, further away. And certainly, uh, as a city, we've made some some real efforts to make sure that transportation links are are stronger than they've ever been before. And uh, we know that there's a, a proposal right now that would be a rails put forward uh, that would greatly enhance the uh, the train service, for example, uh, between Kingston and, and the Toronto area. So making it easier for if people wanted to consider even moving a little bit further out from the from the city, that you still got some convenient ways to get back into the uh, urban core when you need to. Excellent, um, Mr. Mayor. When we talk about demographics, you know, we were, we were talking about the university, of course, Queens being there, um, and you've got a huge influx of students throughout the year. Are you finding that you're you're attracting also younger families or more retirees? Because we found that you know a lot of people that are kind of looking at more of the retirement, you know, a little bit of quieter, you know, atmosphere, they seem to be going towards the Kingston area. But are we finding that um, you're finding young families that are now gravitating towards Kingston? Mm. Yeah, no, that's, that's a great question. So uh, I would say that Kingston has always been an attractive destination for retirees. I mean, it's a, it's a beautiful city down on the waterfront, the middle of, of cottage country. It's, it, it is definitely, I think, a, a great place to retire. Um, but, uh, but certainly we have seen a, a shift in, in uh, our demographics towards a, a younger bent, not just, not just students, but, uh, but yes, younger families. Uh, particularly, we've seen some some employment growth uh, in the city recently, and I think that's important. Obviously, when you're a, uh, if you're a young professional or a young family, obviously making sure you've got employment opportunity for yourself and your partner, uh, that's obviously going to be a key consideration. And so it's been it's been good to see uh, employment growth not only with uh, some of our our public sector base in the university, but also with a lot of complementary private sector development. We've had a, a couple of uh, large foreign firms that have opened up operations in the city, and so that's created a lot 
lot more employment opportunities, which I think is, again, uh, then made it more attractive uh, to, to young families. Because, it's, I mean, it, it clearly is. It's, it's a great place uh, to, to, to raise a family, but the cost of living is a lot lower. There are so many uh, activities that are available. You have all this natural beauty he, here in the city. So uh, I, we've found that once you can match that with the, uh, some of the employment opportunities, then that really makes for an attractive combination. Excellent. So, Mr. Mayor, just uh, in closing, just a couple of last comments about uh, Kingston, if you may. Um, you know, it seems like, a, a, again, great attraction for university students. Obviously, the, the retirees are going that way. Um, I would also call affordable real estate. Um, and, you know, there's all sorts of opportunities. You have all the gamuts from, you know, cottage to condominiums. And so, um, any last things that you'd like to uh, tell our listeners? I think my last comment would be, uh, we've probably seen... Uh, this year and last year are two of our the biggest years for tourism that we've ever had in the city. And so I think that uh, if, if you haven't been to Kingston or if you haven't been to Kingston in a while, uh, it's, a, it's a great destination for, uh, for a weekend. It's not that far uh, to, to come down. And, and even right through, through in the fall, it's a, it's a beautiful time of year to be down here. Uh, to come and check out the city, to walk around and kind of get the vibe, uh, to experience it, uh, I think that that's really the, the, best, the best way to, to catch what Kingston about and and uh, certainly that's what caught me uh, when I came as a Queen student and decided to stay. Excellent. Well, Mr. Mayor, it's been a real uh, pleasure having you on the show today, and thank you so much for uh, telling us all about Kingston. My pleasure. Thanks very much. Folks, that was the mayor of Kingston, and it was Mr. Brian Patterson, and it's always a pleasure to have the mayors join us here on Simply Real Estate. It's amazing how quick an hour goes, and of course, um, I uh, always enjoy having all the guests. Speaking of guests, I definitely want to thank um, our returning guest, Mr. Benjamin Tall, Senior Economist at CIBC Capital Markets. Wonderful to have his perspective on things. Folks, definitely, if you see an article by Mr. Tall, make sure you read it. He is very in the now with everything. As well, Mr. Jim Murphy, President and CEO of the Federation of Rental Housing Providers of Ontario. Interestingly enough, we'll have to wait and see what the builders plan on doing. Are they going to keep pulling back on apartment uh, builds and maybe stick to condos? Well, we're going to see over the next few years. Might make things a little bit tougher to rent. And of course, joining me just a few minutes ago, minutes with the mayor and having the mayor of Kingston on, Mr. Brian Patterson, always a pleasure. Listen, I want to thank my producers as usual. They make it simple for me. And more importantly, I want to thank you for tuning in. Remember, I'm going to be back next week, Saturday at 3 p.m. as usual. I'm your host, Todd C. Slater. You've been listening to Simply Real Estate right here on News Talk 1010.